I want to read Psalm 51, which is one of the psalms that sort of can lead into, because a lot of times Ash Wednesday, the beginning of this, is the time when we sort of reflect and reflect on our sins and reflect on the forgiveness we have in Christ. Um, and so, um, and if you guys want to, just so you know, tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock here um, in the sanctuary, we are going to do a little very mini sort of Ash Wednesday service. We, we do that every year. So we're doing that tomorrow. So if you guys, anybody wants to come at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, we're going to be doing that. Um, sort of decide that last minute. <laughs> so feel free to come. All right. Um, so I'm going to read Psalm 51 tomorrow. So this will give me a little bit of process of reading it tonight. Um, all right. So Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, your delight and truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in the right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Father, we just thank you for this evening. Just thank you for all these guys bringing this, uh, coming tonight. And we especially lift up Gil and John, Lord, as, as they both are, um, especially for John and his recovery, Lord. Just thank you for the the miracles you're already doing in him. Uh, and we just pray that when we see him next in here in this upper room, he will be straight, <laughs> straight up and down, Lord. Um, and we pray for Gil that they will really figure out what is going on with him, Lord, and that he will be healed. So just guide our night tonight. May your spirit guide us. May your spirit speak to us. May we encounter you, Jesus, tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, we are on chapter... Eight. 
didn't pass. Way past eight. Nine. nine. <laughs> Chapter nine. And for those of you, in fact, let's just go around the room because Tom's here. We, in fact, we have little dual names again, but let's just go around and introduce ourselves. Um, Brett. Name, go ahead. Brett. Brett. Jay. Tom. Eric. Mike. Peter. Tom. Ken. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ken. Pick anyone. Dale. Tom. Glenn. What was your name? Dale. chapter 9, and what's nice about chapter 9, it's almost the opposite of chapter 8. In chapter 8, we had a whole lot of Jesus talking. Um, I think um, Tom actually pointed out just all the red in chapter in chapter 8. In chapter 9, it's almost like the opposite. Um, you just have him talking a little bit, sort of the beginning and the end. Um, and as we, what we're going to do is read through this, read all the way through chapter 9, and as we do a lot of times, for those of you not been here for a while. Um, I want you to just, as we're reading it, I want you to just listen to God sort of speaking to you. What is He pointing out in here? What is, what, is, what comes to your mind? What sort of jumps out at you as to what's being said in this chapter? Um, so, who would like to read the whole chapter? Oh, yeah. nobody else. You want to do that? Yeah. yeah. Great. Thanks. <coughs> As he passed by, he saw a man blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, Neither did this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. We must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. When I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed his eyes with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went away, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Should I be reading from the book or does it matter? What? This is fine. Go ahead. It's easier on my eyes here. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. The neighbors, They and they that saw him aforetime that he was a beggar said, "Is not this he that sat and begged?" Others said, "It is he." Others said, "No, but he is like him." He said, "I am he." They said therefore upon unto him, "How then were thine eyes opened?" He answered, "The man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes." And said unto me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. And they said unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They bring to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. Now it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes again. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And he said unto them, 
He put clay upon mine eyes, and washed, and I washed, and I see. Some therefore of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They say therefore unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him? In that he opened thine eyes. And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews therefore did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight and asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now seeth, we not know. Or who opened his eyes, we not, we know not. Sorry. Ask him. He is of age, he shall speak for himself. These things said his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man should confess him to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. So they called a second time the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He therefore answered, Whether he is a sinner I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. They said therefore unto him, what did he to what did he to thee, sorry? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I told you even now, and he did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Would ye also become his disciples? And they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken unto Moses, but as for this man, we know not whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why? Herein is the marvel, that you know not whence he is, and yet he opened mine eyes. We know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and do his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it was never heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and finding him, he said, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, and who is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and he it is that speaketh with ye. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment came I into this world, that they that not see not may see, and that they that see may become blind. Those are the Pharisees, who were with him, heard these things, and said unto him, Are we also blind? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye would have no sin. But now ye say, We see, your sinneth remaineth. Your sinneth 
I said <laughs> Romania. <laughs> I don't know. What I'm, version is I'm it? I'm ASV. I'm sorry. Oh, ASV? Yeah. That's fine. It's interesting. Uh, I it's love listening to the rough. different versions. Of, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of doused and ghosts and by yeah. reading as rough as this. Very rough as this. <laughs> Very. Alright, so. Anything stand out to you? Just anything as we're reading what sort of pops out to you. Yeah, Eric. Uh, it's interesting in just the first couple of verses that the disciples saw him and automatically. Uh, went to the reason for his blindness being either his sin or his parents' sin. Uh-huh. And, um, and so they kind of are laser-focused from what they've been taught and where they're coming from. But they're Jesus' disciples, and they're still getting it and learning what's going on. Yeah, very good. And then, uh, so then Jesus says, it's not that, it's that he's can be used to the glory of God, basically. Yeah. So, so, so you're taking the perspective see, of the world and then yeah, taking it to right. a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys still see that? So that idea of you see someone born that way, that somehow it was, somehow it was their sin or something has, someone has some ailment that it's something with their sin. I mean, this was something back then. You just said the disciples. It's because pretty much the whole Jewish culture and probably the Greek world even at large, it's like if you see, felt that way, thought like if you see someone, something like that, somehow sin is Sin it brought in. Yeah. Um, Instead of the opposite, a way for God to show himself right, right. and perform a miracle. Do you guys see how that happens still? That's what Job today? was all about. Oh, yeah. You know, what did you do to deserve this? Right. Oh, and uh, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Who was a, a better dude than Isaiah as far as God was concerned? And suddenly God goes, hey, I need you to take off your clothes and roll around naked for three years just to demonstrate faith. Mm-hmm. He didn't des- deserve, it wasn't a punishment. It was like, okay, cool. Let's, yeah. let's go. Whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah. And all these people suffering, right? The world sees it as a as a curse. Mm-hmm. God's going, it's, a, it's, it's a demonstration of faith. I I thought it was interesting how it rolls, it opens, right? Mm-hmm. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. As he passed by, so clearly he just went from from condemning these guys in the treasury. It's still Sunday. It's still the Sabbath. Exactly. So he still is in the, he just left the temple. Yeah, he just he's left the these guys trying to stone him to death. Right? He slips out and then, and he just happens to pass by this blind man who's been waiting there from the beginning of time. Just happens to pass by. Yeah, just happens to pass by. So it's not like he's like, runs out of town. He's just like, oh, good. There you are. It was, I, that, is pretty cool. Only to just more more logs on the fire. Fearlessly. Yeah. I, you know, I find it interesting. I think last week I said miracles ultimately don't work sometimes because otherwise this world would be great because everybody would, would believe and they don't. I find it funny that the parents... 
upon knowing that their kid has been blind since birth, refuse to take accountability for it and pass it off. Yeah, he's a he knows that. Yeah, and he let him speak because they were still fearful of the, you know, of the grip of you know, of the law at that time. Mm-hmm. Which goes to prove that miracles don't work for everybody, and and they should. They're a testament of knowing. They, I mean, their child since birth, they should know that. They should have been like, wow, this is not just some coop. This is a guy that did something. This, you know, they should have. It would seem like that would have been enough for them to to back it up and answer for his kid. If indeed that's the reason, if they were fearful of it. Well, so, and here probably is exactly the reason. Yeah, is because they do not. They've got the religious rulers, and if they say something they shouldn't say, in fact, you even see where was it where it says if you don't, if you believe that Jesus. Oh yeah, in verse twenty-two, right. Just right there in that section, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. I mean, John tells us exactly why his parents. <laughs> he answers those questions. Um, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, it sort of shows you where Jesus is already in his process. It's like you confess him to be Christ, you're 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 out. Um, yeah. Even you would think that even the blind man would know these laws too. Mm-hmm. He's blind; it doesn't mean he's he's not observant of, of the laws. But and I think it, he was touched by the Holy Spirit. And well, it yeah. changes at that point. Yeah. If, if you're, so no, it's a it's a different game. Doubting Thomas here, you know, uh-huh. like I talked about before that. Other than Lazarus, <laughs> what other else is going to slap your head and it's like wake up? So. You know, you never hear about him ever again in the Bible of the blind man, but you just, we all assume that he has been saved and he lived, lived a life of piousness from that. So, mm-hmm. but uh, he wasn't scared because he, he knew the truth. Right. What's the significance of being put out of the synagogue? Well, you, you, you couldn't worship like God. that like excommunication? Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Yeah, so you might not be allowed in the synagogue. You might not be allowed to worship. You're, you're shunned by Can't the community. Can't come to Bible study anymore. You know. <laughs> the what? <laughs> Catechism. Yeah. The last three years have been a good example of how difficult it is to stand against power and authority. Exactly. Even when you know it's wrong, mm-hmm. you still bend to the power. Earthly power. Out of fear. Out of fear. Like, like the parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that. Like we, we all put on masks. We took shots. We stayed away from each other. Not all of us. <clears throat> Close, sorry. <laughs> yeah, a few did. So it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a, just a good example of how difficult it is to stand against authority. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, and the, you know, we want our kids to, to stand strong and think the way we want them to think, but the first day they go to school. But also to be we, respectful. We tell them, we tell them be right. respectful and do what your teachers so, tell you. So when you raise a kid, telling them to follow directions, then it gets to be real hard not to follow directions. So as powerful as the Pharisees are, 
you would All think most, most people would, would be respectful and just yeah. lay down to them, which is... <laughs> So it's Such difficult. I mean, it's a simple little thing, and it's really, it's, difficult. it's yeah. really impactful. Yeah. The, the, to me, when I when I'm reading this, it, it just further reinforces again the, the Jews being the chosen people, but chosen for what? This, the, clearly, and again, it's already been preordained. You're not going to see. You're not going to hear. You're not going to understand why. So that this is something to me, like we should be reading that this is all spelled out for us as an example. The Jews were were used to give us. This perfect theatrical, it's, it's like this, this movie that explains the way the world works. This is that authoritative structure that when Jesus is speaking to these guys in, in eight there at the end, he cuts through fear. He speaks through in truth and spirit. And he is, has just, Keep, no matter, he's not, he has no fear about their combination. He has no fear about whether they're going to accept him or not. In fact, he's not distracted. Well, not, not in the least. Right. And, and that's what, it's what drives them bananas because he just straight through. It's, he's not in their plane of reality, mm-hmm. right? So for us, we should be able to use this to discern the day we're in really pretty easily. Go, oh, are we doing that? Right? Or not? I think it's just, it's, Really cool. So what about so, others? Who else? Um, throw who else something else uh-huh. out uh-huh. that uh, I've long wondered about, and it's interesting to maybe get opinions of you guys. Uh, that Let's call this guy handicapped, and he's blind. And um, it's amazing that Jesus says, neither has this man sinned. Jesus said, this guy has not sinned. Scripture tells us everyone has sinned and fallen short. So what's that? Is this... And it's led me to believe I have a handicapped person in my family. And I've wondered, you know, is is God actually blessing the handicapped? Is he going to, are they kind of like a infant before they come to maturity where they all go to heaven? But do you know and, what? And beyond, kind of beyond that, uh, are, are these types of people that we encounter, handicapped, are they examples for us? to um, realize that this person is heaven-bound and we're not. Like, are they the innocents? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, for me personally, it tempers my treatment of these people. Because <laughs> Jesus is basically saying, do you, do, you have, do you have any idea how special this guy is? He's telling his disciples and whatnot. This guy's never sinned. I'm not sure they're saying he's never sinned. They're saying the reason Neither for his blindness is not sin. Yeah, but the wages of sin would still apply to all humanity, yeah. so he's he's still going to die. So it still goes, what you're saying still goes true, but it's not that he's never sinned. It's that the sin is not the cause of his blindness. No, say That's, that. Yeah. I, I agree that makes sense, but it doesn't yeah. say that. Remember the lame well, man from the pool. Okay, well, this is King James, and it says, Neither has this man sinned. What does yours say? It was not that this man sinned. Yeah, yeah. Um, or his parents. The cause was not yeah. that this man sinned. Yeah, so that, that he was born blind. Right. There it's you go. it's yeah. specific to the question of why is he blind. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you wonder if the handicapped person was created handicapped, so that 
God could make manifest in him, could do works through him. There's a there's a, a book by um, was a he's a Catholic guy that worked with the uh, there's, a, there's a place in Canada that works with heavily handicapped yeah. people. What, what was the name of that book? Uh, actually, Jeff talks about that guy. Yeah, it's like it's called like David or something like that. And it, this guy literally um, was 100 percent completely dependent to do everything. His arms and legs didn't work, and he was. And you had to pick him up and bathe him and feed him and everything, right? And this guy got assigned to him for, it was like two or three years. He was his guy. And so he writes, has this whole book on that never in his whole pastoral life come across anyone as Christ-like as this guy. And, and, and not that, and he couldn't talk. He couldn't write, couldn't talk, and it, just his simple being and the effect that he had on people because of his his diminished state and his vulnerability and his dependence. Yeah, I mean, it's worth reading on that note. It's really quite fascinating and beautiful. Yeah, um, well, let me see if anybody else, who else? I mean, we have a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, Ken. So uh, when you were bringing that up, Tom, I was thinking back to, about the uh, person that couldn't walk by the pool. And if you remember what Jesus said to him, he said, sin no more. And there's a lot of times when there's miracles that Jesus does, that sometimes he clears the sins and sometimes he, he does, sometimes he doesn't. I kind of look at this as more as, I'm kind of paralleling out more like if you can't see, like if we can't. If we have, if we can see, but we can't see, we're blinded by sin. And I, I kind of feel like that's the message that's with this man. It's like he's showing the world that Jesus is bringing the light. And if we can see and we're blinded and we sin, then we need, we need to open our eyes. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why he performed this miracle. He doesn't say to him, sin no more like he did. Like he kind of, I felt like he may have thought this guy that he healed when he went to the synagogue might maybe get to go sin. Like I think he was on his way to go sin. That's how I felt. Like the way he said it, sin no more. And then he didn't like clear his sins or anything. But with this guy, I felt like he was making an example. Chase, do you want Yeah, um, I'm not as well versed in the Bible. Maybe this is answered elsewhere. But, um, it was set out to me was the Pharisees repeating, how did he heal you? Mm-hmm. It was, they're all about like, what did he actually do? And the guy has to repeat himself. So what I didn't understand, Jesus is God. God can heal you with a look. Why did he make the clay, send him to the bath, make mm-hmm. him wash, just heal him? He could have mm-hmm. just healed him. So what was the mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. You know, all oh, of actually doing, yeah, that's, that's, a, a, that's beautiful. a, I'm not sure if I, yeah, well, that's because, a good, good question. So, the, he sends them to the, a specific place, and it's, it's cool that in here it says that the translation is it means sent, right? Shiloh, the, the, the pool, right? And those pools of water have a lot of Old Testament reference, right? What was, what was Adam made from? Clay. Right? So he's, he, in all of those acts, he is proclaiming his divinity. And he knows that it's going to be told to the Pharisees, right? And the people will know it. So 
his own spit, his own saliva, is creating the clay, the same clay that he made Adam out of. He, he gave life, sight to this guy, and then sent him to the pool called Scent. Right? And it showed a certain amount of faith, too, that the blind man was willing to follow his instructions and go to the pool. Certainly. This yeah, dude comes yeah. up and rubs mud on your eyes and goes, go to the knees. Just, yeah, oh, right. all right. <laughs> sure. So something going along with what you just asked her. So I, I'm going to make assumptions here, but it just looking. So if you look at on verse 9 on 7, notice what Jesus does. So, so Jesus comes up to this man. He's blind, which means he can't see Jesus, right? Right. He could maybe recognize his voice, but he can't see Jesus. So you notice what happens here. He says, says to him, go wash at the pool. So he went and washed and came back seen. But Jesus is not, you don't see that he has seen Jesus now. So he still has not seen Jesus. Okay, just as a, as, as a point, until later in this passage when he actually sees Jesus. So he's testifying now about this man who healed him, but he hasn't really seen him yet. And you're going to see when we get to the end of this passage, all of a sudden he sees Jesus and what happens as a point, part of that, which is he does what he believes. Okay, um, so... So you sort of have this time where he's healed. He knows someone has healed him. And he's going and talking. And people are asking questions about that. But he himself still has not seen Jesus. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, he didn't use laser beams to fix him. He actually <laughs> did work. So it was an act of the defiance for the Sabbath as well. So yes, it was. Yeah. It's almost like he, he purposely went out of his way to do... Some kind of work, yeah, to you know piss off the Pharisees. There is an account in the Old Testament um, where Elisha tells, is it Naaman, the Syrian? Yes. Okay, so Naaman the Syrian comes because one of the slave girls is Jewish and says there's a prophet in. He has leprosy, and he's like very high up, like a very high up like a commander of the armies of Syria. And she tells him there's a prophet in Israel that can heal him. So he goes there with, he gets permission from the king. He goes there with a lot of treasure and a lot of gifts to give the prophet to heal him. And when he goes to Elijah, Elijah says, go and wash in the, in the Jordan River seven times. Right. And then you'll be clean. And the name of the prophet is about to, he doesn't want to do it. He's about to leave. And so there's there's some nuance in there, like explaining, you know, a little bit of the thought process of Naaman. He, it, it was like almost too simple, or he said, there's there's better rivers in Syria. Why would I wash in this river? <clears throat> but then somebody talked sense into him and said, well, you came all this way, and if, if the prophet would have told you to do something very difficult, you would have done it. So why don't you just do this simple thing? And then he goes and washes seven times, and he comes out clean. But there's, you know, I mean, it's, I guess it's the idea of the washing, the, the, the doing, whatever it is. You know, it's it's a miracle. Like, you have to do, you're given these instructions, and the <coughs> obedience to the instructions leads to the healing. That's not always the formula, but that, in that particular case, is somewhat similar. 
Yeah, so I guess mm-hmm. part of your, I think if I'm hearing you, part of your question is, if not your question is, why didn't he just heal him? <laughs> right yeah. there. Why does he make the man go to the pool and do this? Um, I guess it sort of goes along with what you're saying. It's sort of like, right. All those things. That's a more drawn out story yeah. with more nuances in it yeah. than this particular story that I think. That's consistent with his yeah. parable teaching. But, it, but everything Christ does in all this stuff in John is all reference. It's all, every single little teeny bit of it is all reference in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah. G- so and, the Jews should have Jesus no way of Jesus mentions it. this particular miracle when, when he's speaking. Because he said, you know, there were a lot of people with leprosy, but only name in the, name in the Syrian. There were a lot of people with leprosy in Israel, but only name in the Syrian was healed. Huh. You know, at that time. Yeah. Well, and this story also pulls other people into it, uh-huh. you know, lateral participants, you know, the parents, mm-hmm. you know, the people mm-hmm. in the town that went to see the guy, you know, the blind man go wash his eyes. There was a lot of witnesses, uh-huh. you know, which makes the story even bigger, you know, and makes it carry more weight and makes it last longer because he could have easily just touched him. And then who would have been the witness to that? And, and a lot of those the guy's got his eyes open and like, how'd that happen? You know, but yeah. this actually had a process. And, all, and a lot of those people did not, and we're going, oh, no, it, it seems like him, but that's not him. Right. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not they, didn't, they didn't want to believe it they're either. They're not going to say yeah. yes. Right. 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 Again, Everybody's out of afraid of losing their life, you know, or getting locked up. And, iron- ironically. This, if you picture it, make, you know, this is a film, and <laughs> Jesus walks out of the temple, and there's this guy sitting there, and and he... And his disciples ask Jesus a question, and Jesus answers their question, and then he spat on the ground, and then he rubbed his eyes. This guy didn't say a thing. No. Think of the film. He walks out, Jesus, and they're talking, well, was he born blind? Well, you know, it wasn't his parents or him. And this guy's like, huh? What? He's just listening to this, and then next thing he knows, he's getting mud in his eyes. Mm. Can you imagine? Mm. It's so cool. Yeah, that's kind of theatrical, yeah. too. Yeah. You know, spitting on the ground, making mud. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's, a, right. there's also in the book of Revelation, um, in in um, one of Jesus's critiques of one of the churches, I forget which one, but he says, I, I advise you, 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 you're blind, and I advise you to buy salve for me so that you can really see. Yeah. Right? You're naked and blind and poor, even though you think you're rich and, you know, you can see. Yeah, I, I think Revelation 3 somewhere, but I thought yeah, it's maybe about a reference to that, too. Yeah, two or three. Yeah. All right, what about others of you guys? Things you saw in the story? Yeah, like. I see this as a double metaphor. Jesus is bringing light into the world mm-hmm. that people can see. Uh-huh. So, he is the light. The healing is showing the manifestation of the light, but more importantly, the response of the Pharisees and Sadducees is really depicting and showing the darkness in the world mm-hmm. and what has to be overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike, you were going to... Yeah, no, and to piggyback that, uh, the light theme that Eric's referencing, you know, I, I looked at verse 5 and I said, man, that sounds really familiar. 9-5? Um, 9-5, yeah. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Yeah. Right? <laughs> If we flip back to page 50, uh, Uh chapter 8, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but you, uh, but will have the light of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's repeating That's that. Good. But in this case, if you go back to verse 4, he's actually speaking of night and day, right? We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Yeah. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He's giving me. So, so what do you think is meant by that, what, what Jesus is saying here? So what's he trying to say? We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. So his we think that metaphor. What his, is, the day is his life while he's on right, earth. Right. How would we take that today? <laughs> how, would we, how would we maybe read that to apply well, he's gone, and the world's a lot better, or a lot worse, I mean. <laughs> yeah. But what would that, t- if we were to be reading that for us, so, we must do, we must, okay, so we must work the works of him who sent me. That we here is, is we. We're part of actually that we today. <laughs> um, because, in fact, if you take a look, why don't you guys turn to John 14, just to... Uh, yeah, John 14. So turn to John 14. I'll show you how we're part of that. Um, so John 14, 10. So John 14, 10 through 12. It says, Do, do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So here is just talking about the Father doing the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe an account of the works themselves. And now listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So if you bring that to today, Jesus is saying we (laughs) have the ability to do works even greater than what he did. I know that sort of blows our mind like we heal someone, but however you take that, so in other words, it applies to us today, that we're the ones who are doing those works now. So if you think about that today in the sense of daytime and nighttime, what do you think that would mean to us? Like if I was to read that and go, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So just think of sort of today and the future. What does that say about what we should be doing today? And why should we be doing that today? I don't know if I'm even making sense asking that question. I get it because I made you one and there may not be tomorrow. Okay, that's exactly, all right? So today is light. <laughs> it's dark right now. Today we have the opportunity to do those works. We might not have a chance to do them tomorrow. Don't wait until tomorrow. We don't know when Jesus is going to also come, right? Ultimately, that's speaking of his coming. So when are we supposed to do these works? <laughs> now, now. Now, exactly. Uh, yeah, good Tom. And, that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, as long as I'm in the world, 
and the light of the world. Yeah, that, yeah. that's he, he's he's in the world. It's not just it, you know. So at that time, he's saying post-cross to them, which is like we're doing these works now. You're doing these works now because I'm not going to always be here. And what we're going to find out later in John, though, is when Jesus leaves, someone else comes. <laughs> So we can do these works even greater than what he did. Yeah. Something that's just an an observation. It seems to be two sides of the same coin, in a way. Um, Because throughout what I've noticed in just understanding certain words that are being chosen Mm -hmm. in these... So it just says, it talks about um, this blind... I'm 18, you're blind and see. Were you 18? Yeah, but it's all throughout, so I'm just taking a summation. But it's just like, you were blind, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you sight, Mm -hmm. open your eyes. Interesting that he uses the sun a lot, and his parents, you can only do what the sun, it's almost this weird parallel thing, like I only do what my father does. It talks about the sun, he goes to the parent, but says, well, you ask him. He does not see. And then it echoes, I keep on telling you, but you don't understand what's going on. And then it's like a, go- it's a gospel all in this little passage. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, then in 37, you know, we'll keep telling us who, who this person is. Who is he that we might know what, and he keeps on telling <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, even though it's, I'm giving you a, meta- a realistic metaphor of my son, my parents, the blind person, all this stuff. Um light, dark, blindness, sight, you know, but what is it that you're giving me? Mm-hmm. I'm giving you sight to do something greater, but you know, I'm just, again, summation. And then there's a spiritual sight of that same thing of the son, the father, blindness mm-hmm. in your sin. Um, see, who, he, the one who sees God, sees the, knows the parent, knows the son, uh, you know, all those little uh-huh. nuances uh-huh. Um, that are kind of overarching in my brain. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. You've seen all the different parallels that keep going on yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that Jesus is talking to the blind guy that yeah. was blind, but yeah. now he sees, but he doesn't know he's talking to Jesus, the guy that healed him. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're right. like, we're yeah, like we're that right. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're Good. blind to God until God actually grabs onto us and goes, "Hey, dummy, I'm talking to you. Right? Are you acknowledging me now? Do I have your attention? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, got it. Okay, I. That's one hundred percent. He's kind of yeah, using this metaphor in real life for a spiritual understanding. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I mean, one thing we don't see here, just since you're talking about that, you two are talking about that right now. So in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found mm-hmm. him, I love he, that goes he goes up to find him. him. Yeah, he goes yeah, up. 935? Yeah, 935. Yes. So Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, so a very good point. That's a really good point, that he went and found him. There's, we don't see this in the Greek, but this is how Jesus would have said it, because of the way the emphatic, is, there's an, an emphasis on one word here that we don't see because we don't see it in English. The word is you. Do you yeah. believe in the Son of Man? Yeah. So Jesus comes up and it's like personally addressed, yeah. do you yeah. believe in the Son of Man? Yeah. Now, and so there's this emphasis on that you in the Greek that is Jesus is addressing you personally. He's addressing this blind man personally. And now he's going to do something different. He's not going to now just open up the eyes physically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Do you see what he's going to do here? He's actually going to open those eyes. Yeah, spiritually. So he understands who he's talking And you can see how that happens here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the, in the version that you had read, it said the son of God, not the son of man. Right. Right. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it seemed like he was using this whole whole story to tell him how spiritual God were. Yeah. That's, that's a big, that, that, is significant. Yeah, I'd want to go look at the. I'd want to go look at the Greek there. Because I'm surprised that it says God and the King James, but I, I don't know. Because I'd look at the Greek. Um, all right. Any, who else? I have this yeah, little uh-huh. saying for Chase. It yeah, it does say the Son of God in the ASV. It just says, when we apply the tablets of the law to the eyes of sinners, it causes them to have a reason to go to cleansing pool of the gospel. ESV says, this man would not have had reason to go to the pool. Thus he perceived that he was unclean. That's the function of the law, to convince a man he is unclean. Hmm. So is it possible that we were talking about the, about the clay in the pool, if there was something about um, um, for the man to um, cleanse him? I mean, well, well, I'm wondering again, I guess, to the obedience part. Like, I'm going to... Bring your sight back, but you need to like be obedient to me and do what I tell you to do. Um, so there's, a, I'm gonna say a work. <laughs> I don't say you work for your salvation, but there's something like, yeah, I'm calling you to do this. It's like repentance. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. So that, that what you just said there. That, so this all ties into the, the psalm that you read hmm. and Christ's crucifixion. Hmm. Right. Everything that that. Psalm spoke to was exactly Jesus doing what God told him to do through each one of those steps. The hyssop, the vinegar, the cleansing, the whiteness, all of that. It's amazing. That same parallel. He's just reiterating it. Yeah. All right, others. Yeah. Interesting is the, uh, in verse 30, during his, um, during this man's rebuke of the Pharisees, um, he goes on to say, we know that God does Which, not... Which are you reading from? I'm sorry. Uh, verse 31. Okay. We know that God does not listen to sinners. And who's saying this right now? The blind man. That's right. Very good. So, how many people today still believe that? A lot. I ran into a lot of people that feel their, that their sin was so strong yeah. that God would never listen to me. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, you can take the contrary, too. There's a whole lot of people who are sinning like crazy and they pray yeah, expecting God to answer the prayer. Sure, too. Could it be directly related to the miracle, though? Like, um, not that he wouldn't hear a sinner pray, but that, that, uh, that God would use a sinner to perform a miracle or to be like a prophet, right? Like a, not a righteous person or, or like a, somebody who's against God. Like a false prophet. Yeah. I think it's interesting you picked 31 because can I speak? It's on a different subject. You may speak. <laughs> <laughs> no. <Same> this, <laughs> um, the blind man who's now can see, he gives a sermon to the, hmm. let's call it the Pharisees, and you can boil it down to verse 31. It is and the Pharisees, yeah. And 
he says, now we know. So he's saying, I know. So this blind guy's healed. He says, I know. So you could assume he knew this before he was healed. Mm-hmm. I know that God hears not sinners. So he's saying, I've lived, he's saying, I haven't been a sinner. He's inferring. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So this guy was living a pretty good, clean life and was worshiping God and was doing God's will. Well, so who is the, being... The blind man deserved to be healed. And God, I, you know, Jesus recognized he was a good soul. And this blind man's confessing that. He says, now we know. The reason God, he, he probably was praying to be healed. Well, and God heard him. Deserved to be healed? Deserved to be healed because he, because he says, God heareth not sinners. But he heard me. Is he talking about about himself or Jesus? Yeah, right. There's a question. Okay, Mm -hmm. so listen to what Pete's question is. Because I think you're... Look at the context here. Who who he's talking about is not himself. He's actually talking about Jesus. Is what Pete just said. So if you look here, that's what happens. The conversation is around this man who healed you. There's no way he could have healed you because a sinner cannot heal you. So he's really talking about the whole point is the whole thing he's talking about is Jesus here. Mm-hmm. So why um, thirty one? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He's talking about Jesus. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, God listens to him. What the blind man's saying is, "Hey, you guys, yeah. <laughs> this guy who healed me clearly is from God. He's clearly yeah. from God. Yeah. Where you guys are arguing that he's not, right. he's clearly from God. Right? Yeah." Yeah, I'm curious to know. You know, we all we all know. Well, was that Moses' law or something? I mean, again, this this is real time, so yeah. this isn't this isn't stuff that everybody knows commonly. How does he just? How does he have this this knowledge that you know we all know that God doesn't listen to sinners? Is there is there some kind of well, Jewish law that is that is said this. What is yeah, with the yes. burning bush and the idolatry and all that. Yeah, so going back to the Pharisees, the Pharisees, and we saw this earlier, I think, in chapter five, where Jesus approached the Pharisees about this too. Notice what the Pharisees are saying in verse twenty-eight, and they reviled him, saying, "You are his disciple." He's saying to this blind man, "But we are disciples of Jesus." So the big, huge—I mean, Moses. The Moses yeah. The big huge argument that's going on is, are you ones who follow the law? And so in essence, the law is Moses. Right. All right? Mm-hmm. So for the Jews and the Pharisees, if you ask them, Moses yeah. is their, <laughs> Moses is like their Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Okay? Moses is the one who gave the law. We're disciples of Moses. As far as they know, there's no one else to be a disciple of. Because Moses is the one who gave the law, and they're the ones who still follow that law of the Old Testament. And Moses received the law from... Yeah, from... Yeah, God. Assuming that if you follow Moses directly, your uh, prayers will be heard. Yeah, right. Assuming, yeah. Okay. right. Assuming, but right. Yeah. If, uh-huh. we, if we go back to 1414, it says, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In Jesus' name. Yeah, exactly. But, with my own personal life, I ask ask things. Ask ask not, you receive not because you ask not. And I have received, 
but I've asked and not received mm-hmm. in God's time. So it's a uh, it's inner you know I've always had a hard time with that verse. Yeah. Because one, one, one more thing, I'm not gonna belabor this yeah. to death. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, because I here I'll give you a stick. <laughs> you know, it's um, no, it is. It's 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 you read it. You go. Jesus says, if you ask him by name, you will get it. Now, by the very fact that he's saying, when you ask him by name, means you're asking according to what That's his right. will is. That's yeah, right. His will. So he's not going to give you something outside of his his will. You and in essence, by saying your name, you are acknowledging he is God, and he knows. What is? Yeah, you know, what I want a new tricycle in that's, Jesus' name. That's, that's, that's Tom, cool. I said the name. As Tom says, yeah. but that's not what it says directly. You got to, yeah, got to do some I mental know. gymnastics yeah, to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, yeah, yeah. You I was just going to say. Maybe it depends on how much you believe in him. It says truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me. Um, maybe it's a faith. My mother-in-law at 101 died recently, and people, a lot of people said to me that they're really praying for me and that they feel sorry for me. And my answer to that was, you don't need to do that. I actually believe this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> she made it to 101. What more do you want? My aunt just, my aunt just died last week, 103. Wow. wow. I have so many people that are coming up. And my mom was like the rock star there at the celebration of life because she's 97, so she's the last child of the 16 children. Yeah. So she, we got to walk around in the wheelchair and everybody got to take pictures. But the, what I was getting at with you is the same thing when people yeah. say like, you know, my cousin and me are very close and he was crying. Uh, even I brought Gilbert here, you guys remember yeah. my other cousin Gilbert, he was there. Yeah. People were crying. I'm going like, why are you crying? I mean, like, that was like, <laughs> yeah, that's some, like double she's out of pain. We had some really good times, you know, yeah. good memories. I mean, we have some relatives that made it to 115 and stuff. But like, wow. So I mean, Jeez. it's like, I don't, I don't know what the purpose is after after 100. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more like a baby. It's like a baby's born, right? And then you go through all this and then all of a sudden you're caretaking and it's like a baby. You got the baby it's, again. It's the power of dental flossing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I got one quick question about yeah, Tom. Geez. I'm going to bring him back up on the table here. I, I'm sorry, 931 took me over the edge there. I, I mean, I went past my head. What were you asking and what, what, what was the, what, what happened there? About 931, were you saying he was, that God clings to sin, so he, I mean, he doesn't listen to us? Or, I, I didn't know what you were saying on 931. Can you explain? The blind man says, we know that God heareth not sinners. So just oh. on that alone, um, I don't know if I was addressing this, but you asked the question, what does that mean? Yeah, because you that said you that said that he wasn't talking about, that that wasn't the man. Who said, did you say? You had they were referring to Jesus this. and what he was yeah. doing and the fact that he was doing the good works and therefore that the miracle happened because of that, that he was not a sinner. Yeah, I think Tom was initially thinking the man was referring to himself. The blind man. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. But they were actually talking we, about Jesus. Yeah. Well, actually, I thought that they were talking about God. I thought it was God, the one that doesn't listen well, to you when you're when you're asking for. But the question God is, who too. who is this guy? 
Okay. Who's Sorry, God yeah. listening who's, to? Who's this Jesus character? And he's right. the blind man's going, are you, are you serious? Where is he? What's he doing? Like, really? Nobody in all of history has been, has been blind from birth, has had his sight restored. Right? Like, clearly this, this dude is from God. And how do you, you guys should, of, of all of us should know this. Yeah. That's why they're kicking out. And ultimately this is the sign of the Messiah. I mean, so this idea of someone healing a man born blind is a sign that says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. So that's why the Pharisees are all freaking out here. It's like, whoa, we got to prove this doesn't really happen because there's no way this could be the guy. Um, wow. Yeah, so that this is huge, what Jesus is doing. This is like going back to water and wine when he makes wine out of water. Huge miracle because you're taking something. We did that then. It's impossible. Wine out of, yeah, it's impossible. Right? So, no, it's funny um, that you brought it up because let's call it a disagreement between Pete and I, but just... You, Semantic. Well, I mean, Just we could, yeah, we could debate. When, when, could when that, when I presented what I thought and it was rebutted, I had a really strong feeling. Just, just to rest and believe what I initially believed. Yeah, I mean, and to the, let you go with, let the grip go with what your interpretation was. I strongly feel that thirty-one is literal, and it's a sermon in itself. And it, it speaks very strong biblical truths, too. Yeah, I mean, there's, truth. there's ways to research that. Pardon? For sure. There's ways to research that outside of the group. Let me just, you know, let me just, you know read it. Well, read the Greek, though. Read no, I'm Greek. not going to read the Greek, because I can't read the Greek. <laughs> no, but they'll translate the Greek for you, and the scholars will tell you, here's you, what the Greek is, and here's what it means. Okay, so you're saying that you have researched and read the Greek, and that's how your rebuttal has... Merit? No, but I'm saying we can. I mean, per, perhaps I have. Perhaps I have. No, it's a cheap shot. You have no. You have no basis for that, Tom. You're wrong because you don't know the Greek. No, he's saying if we want to want debate to this, yeah. let's crack open the Greek and then we can do okay, that. Okay, I don't want to debate it. I just want to read the verse yeah, again, and I won't ahead. say anything. Go ahead and do from your, just read the go verse. Do from but, your but read. Go up a few. No. So there's there's you can't just pull that out of context. Okay, never mind. Go up a few yeah, so you understand the context of what you see. Well, I think either way, I think, well, yeah, but any, either way, which I, that's not sort of, I think the point is you're hearing something, it's speaking to you, if I'm hearing you right, this is speaking to you about something that it's hitting you about, whether you're taking that, whatever the context is, this passage is speaking to you in a different, is speaking to you about I, that. I guess so. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I, I just want to say one thing on that verse. This is a to me, it's a good representation that a lot of stuff back in the day was was or was oratorical, where it was passed down. Uh huh. So this guy obviously never read anything. I would doubt that anybody could read back in the day. But it's a good. Well, he certainly didn't. Correct. So it's a good <laughs> representation how strong the stories and the and the things were that got through generations to. Uh, explain how the synagogues worked. Uh, in what? Wait. In, in that day, nobody was reading. They were right. all being, well, it was reading, all oral. They did. No, they did read. The, we the to, individual? We, we have to go back. We have to realize we think that's the case. Actually, there was a lot of reading and writing in those days because what was happening in the synagogue, for example, in fact, look at Jesus. What did Jesus do to start his ministry? 
He walked in the synagogue, and what did he do? He opened up the scroll and read. Well, they had a Torah. Yeah, they did. So So they had the whole Old Testament written out in scrolls, and and the Sabbath in the in the um, synagogues every every Saturday they would read passages from that. So there's a lot of stuff. You they had the Word of God written. But but I mean, were people was just anyone able to walk up and open up the scrolls? Right. Only very learned people. So, so the, the way the people learned was was orally, right? That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So the vast majority could not read or write. Right. But there were people who did read or write. Oh, certainly. Things were written. Right. 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 Really point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, Did anybody have a Torah? Yeah. Personally. No. Probably. I can't say that for sure. Generally. Because it took so long from what we to understand write out from history, these. the Torah was limited to the, the Levites. And, right? You could have in the synagogue. To have it in the synagogue. Because it takes so long to make a copy of a Torah. Of the Torah. It would take a long, long time. So you would not have but a lot of these copied, copies. copied parts of it. Yes, I mean, you did. Absolutely. This is where Gutenberg and Martin Luther come in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Which transformed the whole world. Because they made it so you could start... Mass-producing things. Um, all right. We so talk about writing. I've done a lot of calligraphy, so it's. Uh, I've done a lot of writing, writing. Yeah. Um, and people talk about how long it takes to write something, and that's not correct. You can start writing and get a lot written. <coughs> yeah, but there wasn't a, a, a staples. With pens and paper back in the day. So Finding the paper with it, like something to write on with the difficult <laughs> yeah. part. Yeah. Yes. But they had, they had a lot of sheets. You know, yeah. they, they made a lot of vellum. So. Okay, I want you guys to look at, um, look on page 60 at John at verse 29, 25. As we're sort of like getting there with time. So 9.25, notice how it says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, and you guys probably have heard this type of saying before, one thing I know is though I was blind, now I see. I mean, there's the witness. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we talk about here and as we've been going through the Gospel of John is how do we become witnesses of that to others? Here is a witness. <clears throat> Going out into the world and saying, I was blind, and now I see. That's a huge witness to someone. Like, really? Wow. Well, what, how'd that happen? So, here's a question for you. How would you answer, can you give me an example of what Jesus has done, either at your conversion or some other time, where you can fill in that phrase yourself? I was blind, but now I see. I was this way, but now I'm this way because of what Jesus has done in your life. Someone came up to you and said, and read that and said, well, what about you, Ken? What has God done? Maybe you weren't blind and now you see, but tell me something that Jesus has done in your life where you were this way and now you're this way. Does that make sense? It does. Does, can any of you guys think of Examples in your life where Jeff asked us a few weeks ago to uh, try to write down something when you felt God spoke to you. Yeah, and here I'm not just saying God spoke to you. Here I'm saying 
God did, did something. something. Yeah. How, how, how <laughs> Jesus, have you changed accordingly? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Where did you have My example that I give, the example that I give is, so I became a Christian at 28 when I was um, uh, 28 years old. And I, when I was 28 years old in 1986, in January. And before that, I mean, I was involved in the New Age movement. I was a Buddhist. And I also thought it was totally fine. Oh, I thought open marriage was awesome idea. I was not married. <laughs> but I thought it was a great idea. And I thought, hey, you know, if you want to have sex with your friend, fine. I mean, no big deal, right? It's totally fine to have sex without being married. So my whole view of sex had nothing to do with whether you're married or not. And I sort of felt that way. And then when I, for me, one of the things I look back on and what Jesus did inside of me, and I look and go, wow, is I remember that in January of 1986 is when I accepted the Lord. And God spoke to me really powerfully through First Corinthians, and we'll go through all that. And then I went to my apartment, and that's when I actually, like, just got down my knees and said, put my faith in you, Jesus. I am, I am a sinner, a very selfish sinner. Um, as people would tell you about that, very selfish. And so I remember like in February of that month, all of a sudden realizing, oh my gosh, completely my entire perspective <coughs> of sex changed like that. And it's like, I never tried to make that happen to me. I just realized all of a sudden, no, no, you cannot have sex <laughs> when you're not married. Sex is for a marriage. And it just, and I, I didn't even really do anything to like think that or feel that. I just saw, also I realized that Jesus had just completely changed my perspective. Like I felt like all overnight in that. How'd so there's know, an example you know? of where I did believe this and now I believe this. How did you know though? Because I reflected back on thinking, <clears throat> wow, just like a couple months ago, I thought sex was like totally fine. Where were you getting it, though, from the word? You're gleaning the word, you're running to... How were you getting it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, all I know is I became a Christian. Right. And all of a sudden, obviously, my whole perspective of life changed through that conversion experience. Right. All of a sudden, it was like, I realized, here's a selfish person. Because I realized that most of the reason why sex was some, something okay outside of marriage was because <clears throat> it's what I want. It satisfies my yeah, needs. Right. And it was, my life was all about satisfying. If I took care of myself, you know, then I can do whatever I want to do, you know, and that's all best for the other people in my life too. Because if I'm taking, doing what's best for me, then it's best for them too. Which meant I could do whatever I want to do. Yeah. yeah <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Do you guys have any examples of like where you go, yeah, this is what Jesus did to me. Yeah. Jason. So I, same sort of, well, pretty much everything in my life has changed according, but the sex one was, was huge. I, that was probably the, um, one of the bigger stumbling blocks in terms of like really, um, okay, so the whole universe is like, you know, sexual. Everything is designed, male, female, this, that, the other thing. It's all part of the natural process. How is this a bad thing? Why are we not supposed to do this? So on and so forth. So I kept going down that road, uh, you know, <laughs> kicking against the goads. And until um, I was in a relationship, I was just dating this beautiful girl. And 
we were having sex, and but I was like, just going, oh, I don't feel right. This doesn't feel right. What's going on, dude? And like, you know, and I'm and I'm like not wanting to feel that way even. And and pretty soon, God just speaking to me very directly and going, it's not happening anymore. And so I was like, you know what? And I I just kind of started to pull back, and I and I ended the relationship. And I was like, okay, I'm. I just I need to do this. I was still struggling with it, and then there was a, a situation where. It's incredibly sexy female. I mean, <laughs> silver platter. Everything's there. The stage is set. The whole deal. And and I can't do this. I mean, just I literally, physically, emotionally, mentally, the whole deal. I is I, I'm, you know, a couple weeks ago I was your guy, and right now I gotta go. I just can't do this. There was no, I wasn't in a relationship. There was no other moral obligation other than Christ changing me. For, for, and that was it. And as soon as I went, that, like, almost the next day, within a, within a few days, was, was, I was like, boom, I'm, I'm just a different person. And I was with, my current wife, we were just friends at the time, and I said, and I and I said to her while we were working out or something, I said, hey, um, I've come to a conclusion, and uh, God's just just made this a thing. I'm 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 going to be celibate for the rest of my life until I get married. And she goes, I can get behind that. <laughs> I was like, oh well, that's good. And then next thing you know, that. Us being in a relationship would not have happened if not for that change and me sharing that with her. Yeah, good. All right, what about others? Just anything that you can just go, yeah, I just really saw that in my life where Jesus changed something. You think of um, one real mm-hmm. um, 1978 was uh, October 2nd was the landslide. So we lost 26 homes and 50-some houses had to be evacuated. Um, Where was that? Bluebird Canyon. Here in, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 1978, and it happened yeah. again, what, 15 years ago? Uh, what? It happened again, like 15 years ago. Uh, 2005. Yeah. So I was in, Chase. Chase. I was in both of those. My house didn't slide the second time. I was right next to it. So, uh, I was selected two days after that as the leader for our group. And, uh, so, uh, city council meeting came, it was a Monday, I think. So city council was the next day. So, we had organized and then, no, it was a week later. So, I went to the city council meeting, and I was supposed to speak for our group, like the people in Ohio are trying to get somebody to talk to. And uh, I just didn't have a clue as to what to say. Yeah. Um, and it was real clear to me um, that God had my back. 
and so I spoke and was the leader for the next three years. Uh, and I had no doubt in my mind that we were going to be successful. And I led that way. And people always asked, you know, how can you keep doing this? I worked a 20-hour day, seven days a week, for three years. Uh, I was never sick. Everything went just as I felt God had directed me. Yeah. And uh, we were successful at getting things back. And we changed county law, state law, federal law. <coughs> All kinds of things happened. Mm. Uh, uh, Jimmy Carter mm -hmm. uh, gave us a national declaration uh, for a disaster. We got to put all of our stuff in the ziggurat for three years. Um, it was amazing. And I just felt that God was walking beside me. Um, the story, you know, where there's only one set of footsteps. And say, right. yeah. You know, I really, that really rang a bell for me yeah. during that time. Yeah. That's good. And uh, I just had a total peace in my heart. I never doubted. I never said, why me? Why why did we lose our house and all the rest of that stuff? There was, you know, from Eric to rest of the community, just, I mean, I went on TV one morning and said, we need some pickups so we can evacuate our homes. And 45 minutes later, I had to go on TV to say, please don't come anymore. Wow. We're so jammed up. <laughs> a, like a thousand trucks showed up. Wow. wow. Mm. It was just amazing. You know? So it was uh, just time and time again, different things happened that yeah. just showed me that he's oh, right there. He's right there with yeah. me. Yeah. All right. How about others? Yeah, Eric. Uh, my wife's English, and she has a saying, gently, gently catch a monkey. Yeah. And I'm finding the profound truth of that. And when I think about was there an event for me, all I can think about is I was pushing through life and I had to work hard to push and things weren't flowing. <coughs> and so as I got closer to Christ, I started to change a little bit here and a little bit there. Mm -hmm. And the little changes, life went a little bit easier. And then slowly, slowly, I got, I was the monkey that got <laughs> caught from the standpoint that, hey, things are better when I think and act this way. And it doesn't work that way. And so I'm going to keep doing this. And, and that led to the next and to the next and pretty soon you're there. Yeah. It's because it's really hard to throw a switch and go mm -hmm. Well and sometimes things are progressive like that and sometimes mm -hmm. things are like this, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. How about anybody else? Other examples of where you can just go light got turned on. Yeah. Yeah. Or just where you can go, wow. If someone asked you, tell me how Jesus has done that in your life. Maybe you weren't blind and now you see. But he's 
at one point you were this and now you're that. However that is. I, uh, I, I come from a large Hispanic family. A lot of heavy drinkers. <laughs> a lot of every, a lot of overeaters. A lot of singing and out of tune. <laughs> you know, just hardcore, hard to get out of that demographics as a kid. And my dad wanted something better for us. And, um, moved us out and always wanted to see us as a, as a education, you know. We were Catholics, but the thing that's interesting is that we were very motivated at a very young age. And so we just run over everything just to get, you know, I want to be this, I'm going to do this, I want, and very structured, but I never gave God, you know, the credit. I, I was very forceful, distrusting is the word, really distrusting. Um, some things really, major events happened in my life in the last five years. Um, and probably a lot of miracles. I mean, you were talking about not miracles. I, I, I'm a strong believer in miracles. I think there's been a lot of miracles in my life. And um, I feel that when I wake up in the morning, I used to just think about me, 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 me. And I, I just, I'm re- I feel like I'm still blind. I, I'm not all the way there yet. But what I love about it more is like today I got up and I know I needed to read uh, my one-year Bible, and then usually I say prayers for my family and this. But today I just woke up and I was thinking about um, if there's anybody left in the rubble over at Turkey. And I just poured out a bunch of prayers, and that's normally not like me. It's really, I mean, I got to be honest. I, I was, I was so motivated and so selfish most of my life, and I really think if there was a turn for me, it was to just think that you know there's other people that need to know about Jesus. There's other people out there um, that need help. And it just it isn't always about me. And that's that was the conversion for me. That I'm I was blind and I can see, but I still I'm still blind. Maybe it's hazy. Not totally blind. <laughs> the veil is beginning to lift, yes. Anybody else think of examples? You know, on Friday, I was at a very, very big uh, funeral. I I have four brothers, and I was uh, at this uh, Catholic mass funeral for uh, a age older. There were seven of these boys. The youngest is a traditionalist nun. And so I, with this Irish Catholic group, and I grew up in it. And so it was up in San Jose, St. Thomas More uh, School and Chapel. And so I'm seeing a lot of love there, and I'm seeing all these people and stuff, and I can kind of, you know, swim through and and see faces I haven't seen for a long time. And this man, Dell, who passed away, only 68. I mean, 68, 68. And uh, lots of love. And he was just a lover of everybody. He has nine kids. Every one of those brothers <laughs> has, like, almost eight or nine kids. And um, there were seven Catholic priests up on the platform there was Latin Mass, Dominicibo Biscomicum Spirit 2200 Remus, and if there's beauty in all of this, you know. Uh, and so when they got to the part about the caskets up there, and uh, there's incense, and it's in a gym, there were 3,000 people. And Dell was a principal of this school for 25 years. Everybody loved Dell, and his, his wife is so strong. 
so when the, when they read, I'm waiting for scriptures. I'm with my brothers. I'm I'm listening, and there's scriptures that went out, and there was revelation of the great day, you know, when the Lord is coming, and I'm like, well, yeah, and then they moved into purgatory, and I'm just uh, so when the whole thing was over, I'm talking to my eldest brother. I'm in the middle of seven kids, five sons, and I said to CJ, you know, this whole purgatory thing, CJ, I'm with guys on Tuesday night. We have every spectrum of men there, and uh, we are taught by an incredible teacher, and they know me, 30 years evangelical, and I mean, we have cousins in Ireland that do not know I'm an evangelical Christian, because they wouldn't understand. I have cousins in Mexico, and... Um, so the the Roman Catholic thing is, you know, hundreds of years for these these family members. And uh, so the dialogue from this, to go to answer your question, where's purgatory in the scriptures? And, uh, it, it, you know, they go to Maccabees in, in the, the ten books of the Apocrypha and the, in the, the Catholic thing, they, the Apocryphal books. And then they go to certain places in the Gospel. And it's it's out of context, but... Um, it started a wonderful conversation with my eldest brother and my other brother, Tom, and, uh, and I guess what I, to answer your question, I'm so sorry, Greg, is that from that world, and I was one of them, uh, I just wanted to know the truth of the Lord. I wanted to know beyond the statue, the sacrament, and all this incredible religiosity, I wanted to know the Lord personally, and... I know that the scriptures are real, and so when my when my sister died in a car crash in '82, and I started going to uh, Chuck Swindoll's church, got into college and stuff, uh, the scriptures it didn't change me really fast. I got salvation, but I just moved away from the, the whole idea of having to be in this state of frozenness for maybe a, you know hundreds of years or burning. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yet, these folks, they are sincere. They want God. They want God. And it, there's a part of me that still gets a little, and I even came in agitated at the door. I came in because there's lovely people through the generations in the hierarchy of all the, you know, the, the Council of Trent and all these old things. They created barriers. They created the traditions of humanity. And they're... And to think that Dell is not in the, the presence of the maker of all things um, just flies in the face of Scripture. I mean, we are either in the presence of the maker of all things right now, or we are outside the presence of the maker of all mm-hmm. things. And he he sets us free. It is finished. He's done it. There's nothing I can do to work my way in any way. And um, I, I know that man that died with the nine kids. I know he's in the glory with his parents and his other loved ones. And um, that's what changed me, is that uh, there is no purgatory. You ranting and ranting. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, anyone else? Just as far as thoughts of... I got a real quick one. Quick, uh-huh. It's yeah. a guess of freedom, I guess. Uh, I it was very... Actually, it turns out Eric and I were both... I'm retired airline guy. And Navy pilot before that. So I, a bunch of rules and regulations actually just kept, kept me alive. Uh, and I had a son who was clearly not that way. At all. I mean, at all. Broke his neck at Victoria Beach. He was 26 years old. Four months after I retired, so I'm age 60, breaks his neck, 
he's a quadriplegic. Hmm. So at, at, at age 70, we, he actually he, he died. Hmm. And so when he died, during that whole time, I was thinking, you know, maybe now he's going to change. You know, he is, because the, his circumstances obviously really changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was literally the night that he died <clears throat> that I sat in the, in the, in the, we were actually then, he was a donor, was that Perita right there? And I remember looking over the parking lot and I thought, you know, he was exactly what God wanted, just like he was. I was the one that had to change. And literally in that one night, I had freedom of any and everybody, <coughs> but I could no longer judge, put him in these little boxes. Oh. Huge. Mm. And that happened. Boom. I feel yeah. Mm. Yeah, wow. Freedom from condemnation. Yeah. What's that? Freedom from condemnation and judgment. Well, it's just, you guys, everybody belongs to God, and they're exactly like, he, it says in the Bible that he, we're made in his image and how he wants us, and, and we're all different, yeah. and that's good. But I mm-hmm. somehow seem to think that you gotta, you know, I'm sort of get on the at least on the edge of my box, uh-huh. and now I just don't even have a box. So. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's, it's a yeah. it's a dumb yeah. amazing. Yeah. Wow, nice song. Wow. So at age seventy, I retired. Mm. A, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm. So one of the things I wanted to do, Tom already was sneaking, looking in here. Um, I got these for you guys. If any of you, I know I need this sometimes, but it was interesting. So these are these little booklets. They're for Lent. So what it is, this is 40 days. All right. So there's a page each day. <coughs> What's Why I got them for us is because it's the book of John. So starting tomorrow... There's a reading starting at the beginning of John. There's a reading they have every day all the way up until Christ is risen, all the way to the end of John. It's not that you read through the all of John. It's that you're reading verses and stuff for each one of those days. So I thought if any of you guys need discipline, if you need something like, hey, I, I want to just like have something to read, and I thought it would be interesting because it means in 40 days, I do not think we're going to be done with John in 40 mm-hmm. days. But it would give you like a holistic view of John, um, just going through and reading this. It's got some little commentary and stuff too in there. So if you want it, I'll give you one. If you're going to use it, great. If you think you have someone you want to give it to, get great. Okay. And you can just take a look at it. Um, so anyway, I just, I thought it was sort of a neat little way of carrying something around with you and just saying every day I'm going to read something in John. And then knowing by the end when we celebrate Easter, we will have at least had an overview fully of John again. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, there you go. When is Easter this year? April. In 40 days. 40 days. It's in 40 days. It's in 40 days. We're on the ball, man. We got back. I have got a brilliant group of guys here. That's all I can say.
<laughs> starting tomorrow. Well, my April grandson 9th. was in preschool. April 9th. Okay. April 9th. He was down at the Presbyterian Church. And I was All walking right. him home. Um, solid. <laughs> okay, well, let's, water. um, I'll close in prayer and let you guys go. Thank How'd you, you go away? He said, from the water. Um, and one of the things, um, <laughs> I would like to do as we go, um, in the next, like, months as we're going through this, I would love, if anybody wants to, and I'm not going to go around and say anybody has to, but if you ever feel like you would like to share, let's say, your conversion experience, um, and just share it with the group, I would love to do to hear that. Love the guys to just hear that. And one of the things that um, Dale and Eric and I met a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, we only have like this time on Tuesday night, and a lot of times we look at each other and we go, I don't really know about your lives, okay? Um, it'd be a neat way, I think, to just share and get each person to know a little bit more about your life is to take us through, and that can be a conversion experience that maybe happened overnight. It could be something that happened progressively. Um, but just if you would like to do that a week on a week, um, just let me know. We don't do it every week for sure. Um, but I would just love to have you guys share, and I think it would be neat for the the rest of us to sort of hear, hey, tell us about how you came to know Christ. Um, so, give us some that. thought. Hmm? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, so long ago. So long yeah. ago. So many yeah. times. Yeah. So that, anyway, so give us some thought. And, if, and you guys can just contact me and say, hey, I would love to do that tonight, Greg. And if no one else is doing it, we'll do that tonight. Just spend a couple minutes and just hear your, hear your, hear your, um, the time with that. So, all right. That sounds great. All right, Father, we just thank you for this evening. Just thank you for, um, this story that we just went through, um, where Jesus, took this man who was blind that he could see. And not only did he take him from that blindness physically to seeing, but he also took him from the darkness to that light where the blind man said, I believe. And Father, I just um, thank you that you have done the work you've done in all of us. Uh, just right now, it's coming to my mind even... Um, Eric's wife, Joe. Um, how's she doing, Eric? She's just, doing good. Okay. So I just keep praying for her complete healing, Lord, and wisdom. What um, what's going on with that? Just watch over them and protect them, and and we continue to pray that for Taffy and for John and for Gil and for all those other ones who um, really need your healing touch, Lord. And I just pray that as we go from here, as we start this forty days of just putting. Maybe another excuse to just put a more concerted focus on you. That you can take us from the things in our life where we're blind and give us sight. So just um, be with all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.